Good morning, good morning, church family. So great to be together on the first Sunday of this new year. My name is Libin Abraham, and I have the joy of sharing God's word with you. We welcome you. If you're from Missouri City, Richmond, Rosenberg, Darrington, wherever you're at, we're so thrilled to be joining together from your home, from this room, and Sugarland Campus, we're so thrilled to be together. I hope you've enjoyed being together with family and loved ones over the holidays, and if we've had a wonderful, joy-filled time with those in your home and in your family. I heard one person say on New Year's Eve that um, they had the goal of losing 10 pounds that year, but only have 15 more to go on New Year's Eve. Another said that their resolution was to read more, so they simply turned on subtitles to every movie they saw. I'm not sure if it works that way or not. I did come across this, this encouraging letter on Google, of course, the mastermind of all information. From New Year itself, from New Year, here's a letter for you and I. I am the new year. I am an unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. I am your opportunity to practice what you learned about life during the last 12 months. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it, but with more determination. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to grant with fewer distractions that you may have this year. All that you dreamed but didn't dare to do. All that you hoped for but did not will. All the faith that you claimed but did not have. These slumber lightly, waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong purpose. I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. So from all of us here at Sugar Creek, happy new year. Maybe you're in service today after a long time because your resolution was to go to church in this new year. Maybe you're watching online because you want to be a part of a church family. We're so grateful. This is an amazing place to call home and a great thing to do every Sunday to worship with the body of Christ. Today, we're going to grab a hold of a promise from Jesus about peace that we can have this year. And I love this promise that Jesus gives to us, and it's a power powerful promise to grab a hold of not just this year but every year of our life because in this promise of peace this promise is not void of troubles see the reality is and I don't mean to, to dampen your excitement or to rain on your new year's parade but even though we're in a new year you're still living in the same world you're still the same you. I'm still the same me. We've got the same issues and problems we did on the 31st of December that we do on January 1st. So just because we flipped over to a new year doesn't mean that we've not flipped over all the heartache and the pain of last year. But Jesus, in the promise that we're going to look at today, tells us that peace and problems can actually coexist. The peace and troubles can actually belong in the same sentence. Sometimes we think that peace is the absence of problems, but actually it's not. If you want peace like that, you're going to have to wait till heaven. To have peace without trouble, without disappointment, without sickness or death, that's going to be amazing, but it's a little while away, maybe. But today I want you to know that peace is not the absence of problems, but rather peace is the presence of Jesus in the midst of problems. Peace isn't the void or the absence of problems or trouble or chaos. It's actually the presence of Jesus right in the middle of problems. So if you're looking for your problems to go away, for troubles to disappear, for chaos to clear, you might be a little disappointed. 
But if in 2021, you are looking for Jesus in the middle of your issues, in the middle of heartache, in the middle of pain, you will find him everywhere. You will sense his presence, you will hear his voice, you will be touched by his spirit in amazing ways because it's usually in the midst of chaos and problems that Jesus works his greatest miracles. So in John 16, verse 33, Jesus gives us his promise to hang on to today in this new year. Jesus said it like this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So here's the promise for 2021. In this world, there will be trouble, but in Christ, you can have peace. In this world, there's trouble, but in Christ, there is peace. In this world, this year, there is a pandemic, but in Christ, you can have peace. At your job, this year, there may be losses, but in Christ, you can have love. In your home, in your marriage, in your community, there may be hard days ahead, but in Christ, there is always hope. Trouble in the world, but peace in Christ. I want you to imagine what the disciples were going through as they're hearing Jesus give these words. For three and a half years, the disciples of Jesus have abandoned, left everything to follow this Messiah, this man they claim to be Jesus. They all had their own unique hopes and expectations of what Jesus would do for them, the kind of physical national kingdom Jesus would bring and overthrow the Roman government. It's been three and a half years, and guess what? It's just getting good. They're just now getting the attention of the authorities and those in charge, and they're loving it. It's amazing, miracles, supernatural things are happening, and they're thinking, here is a culmination of the story. We're about to see something so amazing. But in John 13 to 17, Jesus gives what we call the farewell address, a going away message. And I imagine the disciples are thinking, why are you telling us a going away message now? Let's strike while the iron is hot. This is a moment we take over. This is the epic moment we've been waiting for. But Jesus in these three, four chapters tells them of his impending death, crucifixion. In John 16, specifically, Jesus would say to them that he is going to go away and they won't see him for a little while, that he's going to die on their behalf. In fact, Jesus will look at them and say, guess what? It's not, it's not that I'm going to just die. You're going to be scattered. You will be persecuted, and you will be killed for my name's sake. That sounds even worse than 2020 for them. So here's a group of Christ followers, disciples, hurt, confused, disappointed, wondering what in the world is going on. Maybe you're sitting in church or watching church from home in this new year, and the pain from last year is still lingering. You are still disillusioned by the disappointments of 2020. You are maybe emotionally, spiritually, physically even paralyzed by a sense of fear and unknown and uncertainty about what's ahead. You are in the midst of some trouble still, and into your heart, into your soul, Jesus would say, yes, there is problems, there are troubles in the world, but take heart. Be courageous today, because yes, there's trouble in the world, but you can have peace in me. See, the peace that Jesus offers us is so different. Jesus, in fact, just a couple of chapters earlier said, this peace is different than what the world can give you. This peace in me is unshakable. The peace that Jesus offers us is unshakable by the troubles of this world. It's immovable by the circumstances we go through. The peace that Jesus offers us is truly unshakable by the troubles of this world. 
There was an amazing pastor by the name of Martin Rinkert who pastored in 1630s in Germany over a church. If you remember, those, that time period was during the 30 years war one of the worst wars in human history, just by the sheer number of deaths. Some statistics say nearly eight million people died during these 30 years, not just because of the war, but because of the starvation and, and drought and famine and, and economic turmoil, even epidemics that swept through the country. In places like Germany, nearly 60% of their population died during this time. And here, Martin Rinkert is pastoring a church, and in one year, he had to bury 5,000 people. Imagine that. In his town, the Black Plague swept through, killing 8,000, and he buried 5,000, 15 funerals a day. But towards the end of the year, he looks back and he reflects, and he writes a hymn that's found in many of our hymn books today. Here's what he says. It's a table grace for his children, he wrote. And it goes like this. Now thank we all our God with hearts, hands, and voices who wondrous things has done, in whom his world rejoices. All praise and thanks to God the Father now be given, the Son and him who reigns with them in the highest heaven, the one eternal God whom earth and heaven adore, for thus it was, it is now, and it shall be evermore. What? I don't know that if I buried 5,000 people in a year, I'd be having this kind of a song at the end of the year. No, Martin had a peace that was unshakable by the worst of his life moments. He had a joy that was immovable. You need that kind of peace in 2021. I need such a peace this year, a peace that is not shaken by the economy, a, a peace that is not turned off when the news is turned on, a peace that is not shaken by relational crisis or what's happening around us in our world. We need an immovable, unshakable peace that only Jesus can offer us. So where does this kind of peace come from? How can we step into this year, a season, a year of unshakable, immovable peace? Well, notice what Jesus said. I have told you these things so that in order that you may have peace. So Jesus is saying in the last couple preceding chapters, I've told you the exact things you need so that you can have peace in me. And he's referring to John 13 to 17. So let's look at a few of the things that Jesus has said to his followers who are confused and distraught, but from which they can have unshakable peace. Number one, we can have unshakable peace because you are loved and liked by the Father. You are loved and liked by your heavenly Father. Jesus said in John 16, verse 27, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. For the Father himself loves you. My two children never have to worry if they're gonna have food on their table or if I'm gonna do everything in my power to protect and provide for them. Why? Because they know but as their dad, I love them. And in my love, they find security every single day. So if that's true of a flawed earthly dad, how much more is that true of your eternal, perfect, divine father 
who unconditionally loves you, who eternally, consistently, flawlessly loves you every single day of your life. And in that kind of love this year, you can have deep abiding peace and security. But there's something interesting going on in this passage in John 16, verse 27. See, usually when the Bible talks about God's love towards us, it uses the Greek word agape, this divine, all-encompassing, all-overarching love. It's the word that John uses in John 3, 16, for God so agape, for he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life in Christ. That's an amazing kind of love that God has for everyone. But here in John 16, verse 27, Jesus does not use the word agape love, he rather uses the word phileo love. And it's a different kind of love. See, while agape love is an overarching kind of love that God has for everyone, phileo love is a specific family kind of love. It means deep personal affection, delight, enjoyment in somebody. Now think about this, it's amazing that God loves the whole world unconditionally with this agape, universal, overarching kind of love. That's amazing, but it's even better when he not just loves you, but he likes you. He takes delight in you. There is personal affection towards you. He enjoys you. He cherishes you and the relationships you have with him. God not just loves you this year, he likes you. So how does that happen? How does an agape love also become a phileo love? towards you. Well, Jesus said it in this very verse, John 16, 27 and 28. For the Father himself loves you, phileos you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father, from, from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Jesus is saying the way that the Father has deep personal affection towards you is when you place your faith in me. When you believe this gospel story from all the way from the incarnation to the ascension, the life, the birth, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. When that happens, when those truths become your anchor, your faith, God not only loves you with this overarching love, he delights in you because you've placed your faith in his son. You have believed Jesus to be your savior, your Lord. So this new year, can I just ask you, has that happened to you? Has that happened to you? Has God's overarching love become a delight in you, a personal affection towards you because you've placed your faith in Christ? If not, let this year be the year. Let today, let this be the beginning moment where you experience unshakable faith and peace because you have trusted in Christ. You have an anchor that holds you. You have a spirit living inside of you and God's overarching divine love has now become a delight in you. And you go from not just being a creation of God, but to now being children of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have unshakable peace because we've placed our faith in Jesus and God now delights in us. Not only does he love us, he likes us. Second of all, we have unshakable peace because Jesus has prayed for you. He has prayed for you. A little bit later in John 17, Jesus would say this in verse 20, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. 
Jesus is saying, for anyone who believes this gospel message from the disciples all throughout history, God, I pray for them. Father, I'm interceding on their behalf. I imagine if you're going through a crisis and you call a pastor or a minister in our church, you would find great strength in that, and you should. I love praying with people. Maybe if you're in a small group, you pray with your small group leader and you find strength in that. That's amazing, and guess what? If you're not in a group, this year, make it a point to jump into a small group, a connect group in our church. You will find great strength and community and belonging to the body of Jesus in such an amazing, unique way. Those are amazing places where we find strength. But how much more is it knowing that not just a pastor or a small group leader has prayed for you, but Jesus himself this year has interceded, prayed for you. Before you go into a crisis, before you go into that hospital room, before you go into an uncertainty in your life, Jesus has gone ahead of you. He's cared for you. He's prayed for you. He's interceded on your behalf to the Father. And guess what? If anyone's prayers are going to get answered... You better believe it, it's gonna be the prayers of Jesus. Romans says it like this in chapter eight, verse 34, who is the one who condemns Christ? Jesus is the one who died, but evermore has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. I love the imagery, it's like Jesus is just a whisper away at the right hand of the Father, and every day he is interceding, he is praying, he is holding you up to the Father. Hebrews 7.25, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, through Jesus, since he always lives to intercede for them. For whatever you're going into this year, Christ has prayed that your faith would not be shaken, that through the trials and tribulations you might face, that you would stand resolute and strong, that you would not give into the temptations of your life, that you would be strong following him every single day, that your faith would not fail. He has prayed for you, and in that, you can have peace this morning. Third of all, we have unshakable peace because Jesus will come to you through the Holy Spirit. He will come to you through the Holy Spirit. Notice what Jesus said in John 14, verse 16 to 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is a spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Jesus is saying, you're not going to see me for a little while, but I'm going to come back. Yes, it's a resurrection, but also through the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, you're not going to be orphans. You're not going to be abandoned. You're not going to be left alone. I will come to you no matter where you are, how alone you feel, how much at the end of the rope you might feel. I'm coming to you through my spirit. In 2021, there will be pain that you don't think you can overcome, loneliness that you don't feel like you can get over, trials and circumstances you're feeling alone and abandoned in, but not for a second will the Lord have left you alone. Not for a moment has he forsaken you. He has not abandoned you as fatherless children. No, he comes to you through his spirit to intercede for you, to strengthen you when you are weak, to bring clarity to you when you are confused, to speak life and, and, and joy into the depths of your soul 
through his spirit. So in those moments you feel at the end of the rope, fall to your knees and ask the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, to just empower you once again, to fill you all the way up again, to guide you, to give you peace. Ask Jesus to show up in that hospital room, in that office room, in your living room, in your marriage, in your kid's life. Say, ask the Holy Spirit, I'm coming to you, I'm running to you, I desperately need you. And Jesus is promising us that he will show up. He will come to you through his Holy Spirit. Don't run to social media immediately. Don't run to the opinions of the people around you. Run to the Holy Spirit. And he'll give you the peace that you need in that very moment. There are going to be moments that you cannot afford to rely on your natural sense. You've got to rely on your spirit sense. That only happens when you're living every single day dependent, connected to the source, to the Holy Spirit through which the the spirit of Jesus, the life of Christ is indwelling you and flowing through you. We have unshakable peace because the Father loves us. He likes us. He prays for us. Christ intercedes for us and he shows up through the Holy Spirit into every circumstance we go through. This is the triune God acting as one to give you peace that is unshakable. Not only that, God promises that our grief is temporary, but our joy is eternal. Our grief, our pain, our sorrow is temporary. It's only a blip on the radar, but our joy in him, our life in him is eternal. John 16, verse 20, Jesus put it like this. Truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Verse 22, so you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. I wish I could promise you that there are gonna be no more pain, that the pandemic is over, there's no more losses or deaths in the world. I wish I could do that, but I can't. Because most likely you'll experience losses and pain and heartache. But what I can promise you is that in view of eternity, in view of our joy, our inheritance in Jesus Christ that is secure and unshakable, every bit of the pain we go through, every bit of our loss is temporary. It is so short-lived compared to the eternal joy that we have in Christ. And the truth is this, we are always going to struggle on this side of eternity. We're always going to have struggles here. Why? We struggle in earth, on earth. We struggle in this world because we're strangers to this world. We don't belong here. This isn't our home. We're just sojourners passing by. We struggle because we're strangers to this world. There is no ideology. There is no party. There is no philosophy that fully embraces every bit of the biblical value and convictions that we hold dearly to. So I'm sorry to bust your bubble, but you're never going to fit in. You're never going to fit in. You're never going to be comfortable. And if you are overly comfortable in this world, there's something deeply wrong. We should always have a bit of struggle because this is in our home. So you might lose friends this year because of your biblical convictions. You might be persecuted. You might be ridiculed and mocked because you believe in the Bible. A job promotion may pass you by because of your convictions. But hold on. The grief, the pain, the sorrow is momentary. But the joy, the inheritance is eternal. So Paul would say these words in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. 
for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Far out, we won't even compare. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Maybe things are taken away this year. Job, finances, even some dreams. But hang on to that which can never be taken away. Your identity in Christ, your joy. And even death itself is simply a vehicle that takes you to the eternal destiny of joy in heaven with Christ. When you grab a hold on to that, there's nothing can shake you. Nothing can move you from the rock of our age. Lastly, we have unshakable peace because Jesus has already overcome. Jesus has already overcome. Back to our key text, John 16, 33. Jesus said, I've told you all of these things. I've prayed for you. The Father loves you. The Holy Spirit's with you. The sorrow is momentary, but the joy, I've told you all of these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have already, I have overcome the world. I have, not I will, or maybe, no, I have already in the past tense overcome the world. Now this is interesting because Jesus is making the statement prior to the cross, prior to the resurrection. So you might think, well, why would Jesus say that he has already overcome before even beating death and overcoming the grave? See, Jesus can speak of the power and the victory of the resurrection even before the cross because he knows that the cross isn't the final word, that the grave is in his holding place, but because he exists outside of time, he can look through time and know that because he is the resurrection, he has already overcome. Jesus has given you and I victory. He is so assured of the victory he promises simply because he is victorious. Triumph is assured because Jesus is triumphant. Resurrection is assured because Jesus is the resurrection. So into the future, Jesus can declare a victory in past tense. Isn't that crazy? Into the future, into your future, my future, our future, into the unknowns, into the uncertainties of what is ahead, Jesus can today, right now, speak victory in past tense. Because Jesus is saying, I already know what you're about to go through. I already know the pain, the crisis that you're about to enter. But guess what? I have already overcome. There is nothing that can hold back my power. There is nothing that can withhold my love from you. I have already overcome. He speaks into your future victory in past tense. Max Lucado told a story once about when he was in the sixth grade. He was on a basketball team and during a tournament, there was a loose ball and the team, his team was scrambling to get the ball. And one of his teammates at the bottom of the pile grabbed a hold of the basketball and threw it to Max Locato. Max Locato saw a wide open lane from him to the basket and he took off and he made a beautiful layup worthy of ESPN airtime. But to his shock and surprise, no one cheered. No one clapped. No one said, yay, go Max. No one put him on his shoulders. Instead, he saw his teammates burying their faces into their hands. Why? You might have guessed he scored the basket on the wrong end of the goal, on the wrong side of the court. He aided the enemy, his opposing team. See what happened on Good Friday? Was that Satan thought he scored a win over Jesus. 
He thought he had aborted the redemptive plan of God. He stopped the story of salvation. But little did he know that Jesus would use his score for his own win. That God was actually in control the whole time that he had already overcome and that Satan's little bitty score on Good Friday will be used to aid the plan of God. That it was part of God's plan all along. And here's what I want to tell you. Every attack of the enemy against your life, every scheme, every device of the evil one against your life, God will take the score of the enemy and use it for God's glory and your good. Amen? He will take it for God's glory and your good. He'll use the score of the enemy for his victory. He'll use it to bless you, to mature you, to grow you up, to build strength in you, put iron in your heart. He'll use it to make you more like Jesus because he's already figured out a way to overcome. He has already overcome. And in his victory, we are victorious. In his triumph, we are triumphant through Christ 1 John 5, 4 to 5, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. You are an overcomer in Christ. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Here is how you are victorious. Here is how you have unshakable faith. We know this passage all too well, Romans 8. Verse 31 onwards, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Now verse 37, no, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I get an amen? Amen. Nothing can separate you. Just stand with me on your feet. So in light of all of these things, what does Jesus command us in John 16, 33? Take heart. Be courageous. It's interesting, Jesus uses one single Greek word for all of that. Tarsite. And it's a word that's used many times in the New Testament, but it's a word that only Jesus uses. It's a command only Jesus ever gives. As if to say, the courage you need is found only in me. The courage you need is found only in me. The strength, the wisdom, the power you need is found only in Jesus. It wouldn't mean at all anything if I told you to take courage or to be courageous. But he means the world when Jesus, who's mapped out the course of history, your race this year tells you, you can be courageous, you can be bold, you can be brave, you can go into this year with unshakable peace. Do you know Christ today? Does he delight in you because you believed in his son? Today you can, whether from your sofa in your living room or in this room or any campus or in the next step center, today you can begin this year with an unshakable peace of knowing Christ as your savior, knowing that he's prayed for you today. The Spirit wants to enter your life. And for all of us, all the pain we go through is temporary. Christ has already 
worked it out for his glory and our good. Let's pray. God, we just open our heart wide open to you today. We need an unshakable peace, immovable joy, not based on circumstance or what's trending in our world. We need Christ and the joy that comes from you alone. So if there's anyone under the sound of my voice in any of our online platforms or in this room that's far from you, that doesn't have the peace of eternity living inside of them, may today be the day they place their whole faith, their whole trust in Christ and hold on to him as the anchor of their soul. For every one of us, God, we need peace this year. And you are the only one who can give it. The peace we need is found in Christ alone. So yes, there's trouble in the world. But yes, there's peace in Christ. We marry these two together in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.